I've got my plan for how reality is supposed to be. That got you or somebody got in the way of that plan. And now I've got this. I can't accept this, right? Patience is acceptance. The attitude of acceptance that we take while we wait for things to unfold. Yeah. I have a funny one. It's funny. When I don't need patience, that's when I have it. Oh, yeah. yeah. But when I need patience with somebody, I don't want it. You can build the heart of a lion with a strong mind and spirit because a lion's natural state is one of safety through courage, strength, and power. Hi, I'm the shepherd and pastor, Dr. Matt Hook. And I'm the shrink, Dr. Marty Fletcher. This is the show where theology meets psychology or mental health meets spirituality. Welcome to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. Before we start the show, I have something to share with you. If you or someone close to you is suffering from a sense of anxiety or loneliness, the truth is anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness affecting 40 million adults in the United States every year alone. And according to a recent study, more than 60% of Americans report feeling lonely, left out, poorly understood and lacking companionship. This matters a lot because loneliness is stressful enough to raise all-cause mortality by up to 30%. So, I've written a free guide with 10 ways you can start to overcome anxiety and defeat your loneliness. Don't wait on positive emotions. Learn how to create them for yourself starting right now. You can grab the guide by heading over to drmartinfletcher.com. That's doctor spelled drmartinfletcher.com. Happy fall, Marty. Happy Wednesday, Matt. It's time to talk about some amazing stuff today. All right, what we got? We got love. Love? <laughs> love has more songs written about it than anything else. Really? More than heartbreak? Well, that's love, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You're right. How could that's... there be heartbreak without love? That's true. You're right. And I think that we are so challenged in our society today because a lot of people are saying they don't see love. You know, we've got riots going on. We've got people screaming at each other in love, out of love, not in love, out of anger and hate. And it just reminds me, you know, I saw one of the shootings, one of the older shootings, I think it was from Las Vegas. You know, this one guy does something horrible, horrific, and it's unimaginable. And the sickness and all of that, that we see when we see this lack of love going on in the world today. And yet in the midst of that one act of violence, cruelty, horror, insanity, all that you want to call it evil, like Mm -hmm. we talked about last week, there were thousands, hundreds of people carrying other people away to safety binding their wounds, hundreds of police officers and EMTs risking their lives every time something that is anti-love happens. People are rushing toward the danger so they can stop the shooting, they can help the injured. Medical workers, counselors working through the night so that injured and people who are hurting, people who have lost loved ones can be comforted. People send money, people give blood. You know, in this COVID thing, I've been really proud of our church. When so many things shut down, the American Red Cross was in danger of, they were literally at a three-hour supply of blood. And this church really stepped up. And it was just 
awesome to see this love in action. And I wonder if you can even have love without action. I don't think so. I, I've come to see it as a verb. It exists only as a wish or an intention until it becomes realized through action. And that could be internal action for sure, or something external. And some things that look loving, like love externally, they're driven by a complete different spirit. But when I ask patients, you know, what, what are we talking about with love? No one's been able to give me a definition. So we drill down on it a little bit because people don't have a red. We talk about all time, all those songs you're talking about. What are we talking about? You don't know what you're talking about. You know, it's amazing. And it, it's funny because you don't think of psychology or the sciences studying love, but there's a lot of studies about love or what it is. Sure. That's Freud said work and love. Those are the, the important things in life. And in philosophy, sure, it's, it's all over the place, right? And really, that's what brings people in. Children who are traumatized. They're traumatized because of the dark stuff that they experienced, saw, experienced themselves. And sometimes the things that they did bother them. Wow. How much of what you see is due to an absence of love when you see people who are hurting enough to come and see you? Almost always. I mean, think about the, the state of love when you're actually feeling love. And you, you can talk about the different types, but, you know, the highest love, the Christian love that we want to talk about, the one that satisfies you, it calms our physiologies down, right? There's no, there's, it's a balm, you know, when you first were talking to me about emotions and I was stressing out and you said, where are our feelings? And of course, I grabbed my chest and said, in my heart. Mm -hmm. But the fact is, I know it's not in my heart that's beating. It's in my mind. It's in so many other places. But you talked about how emotions exist literally like in our sweat glands and, and in our physiology. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have receptors. Yeah, it's not some soft cloud that hovers around us. Right. You're right. It's more than that. But a correlate has to be a physiologic event. So it's a hormonal event and it can involve muscular tension or muscular release, right? Neurotransmitters, electrical activity. That's not all of it. We don't want to reduce it to that or there'd be no poetry. There'd be no movie industry. That's exactly right. No romance novels. Or we would just take a pill and get that because that's what some people tried to do. The, yeah. the opioid addicts are, are the ones that that gives them a close feeling to what love might be, they tell us. Wow. You know, what's interesting is as much as we write about love, as much as we talk about it, we claim to build our lives around it. I think love is actually a rare commodity. The kind of love we're going to talk about is, and, and it, it's new to the world, I'm learning. I don't want to talk about that every week, but I'm just fascinated because I grew up, you know, I was born in the, you know, I won't say what year, I don't care, in the, 1967, in I was born in the summer of love. Back in the 1900s. <laughs> I think that was a summer of love, wasn't it? It was a great summer. Yeah, I was one. But the world didn't have the type of love that we're going to talk about. It really didn't. And I, I see historians that aren't Christian writing about this and talking about it. Love, I think when we talk about love, we have to be careful, though, because C.S. Lewis points out, we humans think we know about love, but he says most of what we know is our desire to be loved. Eros. That's yeah. Eros. Eros isn't, isn't just sexual, right? It is the, I'm going to join, I'm going to get something. It's desire, a joining with or getting, you know, desire, right? That, 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 and that doesn't, it isn't just romantic relationships, right? It's food, it's alcohol, it's power, 
Yeah, when I want when I love something, what I'm loving is my desire to be loved, to experience appreciation, to experience all of the side effects or the benefits that come from it. It's like secondhand compared to the love that is in the New Testament that is truly transformative. Let's talk about that because here's something that I realize. If someone loves me from a distance, how do I know? So when we say we want love, because I think it's a give thing. I think, I think we feel it by giving it, right? I don't think we feel it by getting it. There's a movie that Nicolas Cage was in, one of his good ones. There, there are a few good ones that he was in called Adaptation. And he had a twin. He played the role of both. And there was a scene that just got my attention because I saw it a long time ago before I'd you know, really gotten on the path. And his brother was just talking about this unconditional love he had for these girls who were making a fool of him. They would tease him behind his back. And then his brother told him like, and he goes, I knew that, but that was mine. That love was mine. He felt great love even for people. That's a very Christian message, by the way. If you watch American films closely and you're looking for themes, you will see Christianity all Christianity without Christ, but Christianity's all over it. Yeah vacuum the the hole in our hearts what do you get out of if someone loves you like i'm being adored by someone and or something like that that high uh, adoration kind of thing what, what what do you get out of it what do we get out of it let's not put you on the spot but what what is it that we're calling love what really is it qualitatively when somebody's loving me in general you mean sure i think that there's a sense of identity there's a sense of confidence there's a sense of affection when I'm on the receiving end of love, there's a sense of inspiration. There's a sense of wanting to do better. And there's a sense of being, just being noticed. I think half the world goes through life feeling nobody ever cares whether they live or die. Yeah, I think that, that you're right about that. But is that agape? You have agape and I just happen to be in your path. What do I get out of that really? I mean, it's good that the world has that in it and I'm happy that yeah. person's having it, but for me, personally. Right. If I'm on the receiving end of agape love, it is somebody giving me something and expecting nothing in return. It's so freeing. It's, it's really alien to our nature. Only because you value it. Because some people will receive agape love, like the enemy that, that the followers loving anyway, that may have zero effect on it. Right. On the person. It's not to get anything in return. It's not to get the other person to change. It's not to get the other person to do anything but simply be a recipient because of the reality of love. Love is wanting the best for the other person. I believe that's that it's a one-way gift which reflects God's love toward us. There is no way we can give anything back to God except our affection, our attention, our time, our, our lives. But he doesn't need them and we can't manipulate him with it. A lot of times I'll have people with attachment problems, right? That, which means this, they weren't loved very well. So they're just relentlessly seeking it as if they're going to get something great. There's never enough of that for them though, right? Because that's why I've had this idea where I don't really think that we feel love by receiving it. I think that it is a state of being that we must possess and that we can cultivate too. Wow. But, but I don't think so. I mean, if somebody loves, as a matter of fact, because I was a huge, huge egomaniac back in the day, right? Very insecure, very looking for what people think about me, worried about what other people think about me and, you know, wanting to go down that whole trip, right? Mm -hmm. With the Holy Spirit, I find that if somebody acknowledges me or says that they 
I liked that show you did or something like that, or thank you for helping me. It's been replaced by a humility where I, I'm, I'm happy for you, right? Right. But it doesn't get inside of me anymore like it would have before. Before it was like sugar, you know what I mean? Oh, I'd get a rush from it or something like that. But I just don't have that anymore because I'm still focusing on them. And also I'm so afraid of becoming arrogant again. Like even to the point of taking compliments, I'm like, look, that's not about me. You know, if I had teachers who taught me stuff, I picked up some, I don't have any original ideas. I really try to keep the focus on them. That helps me. Uh, But I I really don't get anything by receiving it, you know. Isn't that interesting? And you know, they're just being kind. And so what I've learned to say is if I can, and it's not totally awkward and it doesn't sound like I'm trying to make a statement, I will say, thank you. Praise God. Yeah, that's a great response. thank you and kind of deflect deflect to God. I don't want to sound annoyed like, oh, don't thank me. You know, I, yeah, I don't mean to do with it. Yeah. I don't want to mislead anyone. I was like, not like it bothers me, but I'm still happy for them and not me. I don't want to get caught in that trap of seeking approval from human beings right, anymore, but I'm happy that, that they found something of value in their life. And if I could be a part of it, that's great. But that's exactly right. I think that love is this one way gift. And you know, what's awesome about the Bible, which is 66 ancient documents written over 1,600 years in three different languages, two mainly, mostly Hebrew and Greek. The last books were written in what we call the New Testament, the New Covenant. And that's after, that's about the life of Christ and after the life of Jesus. In there, it talks a lot about this Greek word agape, A-G-A-P-E agape. And agape love is one of the versions of love that gets translated into English as love, just like eros does, which is erotic love, which is not anti-God at all. And there's filio love, which is brotherly love, you know, that's non-sexual, that's just friendship kind of a love. And agape love is the love that comes from God. It's love that comes from God to us that we because of God's creativity, can offer to one another. And there's some beautiful descriptions of what that love is. You know, it says God is love in First John. And I think it's not saying love is God. We got to keep that mm. clear. But God is love and love is a verb. And the actual understanding of love, probably the best place to look for a complete definition is one that a lot of our listeners have probably heard because they've been to a couple weddings and at a lot of weddings, first Corinthians 13. Oh, you should walk us through that. You want to, because I do think that that, that that's not Eros. It's, it's, it's agape. Right. Right. You want to walk us through? Sure. And when we lead in agape love, all loves become this, you know, it's really kind of a cool, It's kind of a cool thing that happens. Love is a verb. Well, and Jesus said in a different place in John 13 to his followers, he said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. It's a verb. You want to be good at love, you must know love is a verb. And he also, Jesus says, I don't want you to take your cues from culture. Love is a verb. I want you to take your cues from me. And that really makes me think twice about it. Love is actually the most creative act in the universe. And that's when one of the followers of Christ was named Paul. And he writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting in verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. 
It does not boast. It is not proud. Love is not rude. Love is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. That's hard. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And this agape love, it's this incredibly unique and rare word. And it means one-way love, giving love, choosing to love that way. It is a choice. It is, it is not jealous. It's not envious. Love is patient. Love is kind. Unlike the way so many people treat other people. Yeah, Matt, because Eros can have all of those things. I mean, Eros can be jealous and envious and it can be self-seeking for sure. Why haven't you called me lately? And one thing I'll do with patients, if, if, if they're in you know, tangled up relationships, mm -hmm. what I'll do is I'll say, look, you're not going to turn someone into this, the thing that you want. Okay. You got to find someone who's already good at it. So let's take if they're believers, uh, let's take First Corinthians, just run the test down and let's see how good you are at these things too. How patient is she, he, or you? How kind? And a lot of times that person that they're so in love with, they go like, he's terrible at this. He's not good at this. And it's because the, the, the role is to find someone who's already good at it, not try to, oh no, really the real goal is to get good at it yourself. Right. They say, attract the kind of person that you want to be with. Be the kind of person yes. that you think you would want to be with. Live that out yourself. Yeah, and that, that, that's a, there's a filter that goes up. You know, it keeps the bad stuff out kind of automatically because you don't value that anymore. You recognize it when you see it and you're not dissuade or... It's kind of like health attracts health. Healthy yeah. people attract healthy people. And I'm not just talking physical health necessarily. I'm talking emotional health, healthy boundaries, healthy decisions, healthy relationships. And it goes the other way too. Hurt people attract hurting people, attract people who hurt people. Well, there's a lot of care that goes into health. Yeah. You know, I mean, someone who, like I watch my daughter, she really takes care of herself. I like it. Like she's like making a lunch before school and putting fruit in and stuff like that. I'm like, that's a lot of care that she has for herself. And I like that, I, you know. Mm -hmm. One of the best things that I'll almost always end a counseling appointment with is keep making healthy choices. Yeah for yourself. Well, do you want to break down some of these words? I'd love to. Well, love is patient. And I think we understand what patient means. Some older translations use the word long suffering. Yeah. I don't think people do understand what patience is because I like to bring it back to the physiology because they go, I'm, I'm not bothered by you at all. I don't care. Well, your body's telling me something there, you yeah. know, body Looks like language. You care. but what, what, what does, I think that patience is the attitude of peace that we take while we wait. Yeah. Restraint of anger is literally what the Greek word, macrothumia. Macros means long and distant. Thumos, like thunder, anger, swelling of the emotions. And you combine them and it means patient restraint of anger and long suffering. Ooh, I like that. I didn't know that. So you just taught me something. But because I'll Finally. tell you what makes, because no, you teach me stuff all the time. Here's what makes us really angry. I've got my plan for how reality is supposed to be. That got you or somebody got in the way of that plan. And now I've got this. I can't accept this, right? Yeah. Patience is acceptance. The attitude of acceptance that we take while we wait for things to unfold. Yeah. I have a funny one. It's funny. When I don't need patience, 
that's when I have it. Oh, yeah. Heck yeah. But when I need patience with somebody, I don't want it. No, I, and that's my, I've been praying for that because like I said, I don't, I'm not mad at people anymore. I'm pretty good at that. I understand, I, I'm compassionate and I, you have bad moments. It doesn't bother me. I understand. But objects, yeah. If something's not working right for me, I get mad at it. I'm terrible at computer stuff, and yeah. mechanical stuff. I have right. no patience with myself. I don't want to take the time to learn it. Yeah. And the sad thing is we apply that to people all the time. Well, here's what I discovered because I, I lost an Apple Watch like a month after I had it. We we're out kayaking and I like hit a dock and I'm like, and I was so angry about that. I'm why? I just buy another one. And I realized what it was. I am mad at somebody. Me. Yeah. Yeah. When I'm impatient with how things are going like that, oftentimes I'm mad at me. Mm -hmm. And if you think about the fact that God created you 100% unique, God created you to be one of the people carrying out his mission on the planet. Yeah. God created you and loved you twice enough to buy you back, enough to redeem you by sending a son who poured out his blood for you, who died on the cross for you to forgive you of your sins. And you are treating yourself that impatiently when God never would treat you impatiently, but have all the patience in the world for you. And besides, who, who do I think I am? Like I, can't, like I can't have a hard time or something? What do I expect? Like everything that go my way, I'm that great or something? I think humility is a way to patience. Totally. Totally. Especially because if I'm not patient with myself, what makes me think I'm going to be patient with you? And yet a lot of us are like that. Most. Mo yeah. Most people are far, far better to other people than they are to themselves. We're our worst enemies in so many ways. But go easy because... Oftentimes, there were people who were treated that way. We learned to love ourselves the way that we were loved, right? If we, and value ourselves the way we were valued. Mm -hmm. Here's something interesting to think about. Okay, if love is, if agape is love in action, mm -hmm. when it comes to patience, it means that the love inside me, when I am called on to be patient, that love is going to be pushing back things that I shouldn't say pushing down things I shouldn't say. Mm -hmm. That love should be actively pushing back things that I shouldn't do when I'm feeling impatient and I've got to call on patience. That love is in action. It shouldn't even express itself in my face. Yes, it, it covers a, a multitude of sins. Hey, that's in the Bible. And uh, I didn't make that up. No. The original ideas, Matt. You're good at saying unoriginal ideas, though. So that's <laughs> love is patient. All right. <laughs> okay. Love is kind. Yeah. Kindness is such a powerful word, but it can also be made an idol. Oh, say more about that. That's interesting. Kindness can be made. Oh, I know what you're going to say. I think, go ahead. I think when we think about God, we think, okay, God is kind, but we don't want God to be like a father. We want God to be like a kindly old grandfather. And the best thing we could say is, oh, a good time was had by all. And that's not God. That's not God of the scriptures. That's not who God is leading us to be. But the Greek word is krestumai. And the root word of kind means helpful and adaptable to the needs of others. Okay, Matt. So is that why we're to give in private, right? Because cause something masquerades is that like, um, oh, you know, I tithe, you know, I always give my 10% and things. So it's, that's not the spirit that God's trying to uh, evoke. Right, right. And it may be a kind thing to do, to give money generously to people 
or to organizations who use that money to help people who are underserved. It is, but why do you have to mention it is my point. You don't have exactly. to mention that. You, you give them privately and then that's your reward. You get agape, which is the highest thing, right? right. You don't have to have your name printed on you know, the bulletin right. or whatever. You know? Right. There's a joy that just comes from generosity. The, the happiest people I know are generous. For sure. The most miserable people I know are stingy. They're stingy in, in so many ways. So here's the deal. When you have this agape love, which is patient and it is kind, the, the idea of the kindness is when you have this, it's patience in action. And the proving ground, like patience for most of us, kindness is at home. Mm -hmm. I think that's the proving ground. If you can be kind to the people you live with, if you can be kind to the people you work with, even when they're driving you crazy, are you kind to your children? Are you kind to your spouse? Do you do kind and useful things for them? You're asking? I'm kind of. <laughs> kind of. That was really good. I'm getting better. You I'm are on a roll. No, I'm getting better at it though. That's that's a thing. So if if people are working towards it, we're never the world's tough. Let's not let's not fool ourselves. There are all sorts of surprises that we don't like and stresses. So the first response that we're going to have will be conditioned, right? That first feeling, that first thought. Don't get too hard on yourself. Just turn toward the higher thing. Is, is what I do. And then, and then as we practice, this is why the disciplines are really important. So are you being kind to yourself? Are you getting enough sleep? Because you will be more patient if you're sleeping, if you're not having nutritional deficiencies, if you're taking yourself out for walks, if you're not beating yourself up, right? But yeah. we practice kindness and get better at it. And you can be kind to yourself and how you take care of yourself so that you can be a source of kindness and patience for other people. Right on. Do you do kind, useful things? Here's, what, here's a comment that I was thinking about. Love is not macho. Love is strong, yeah. but it's not macho. It's not all about me. Who thinks, it was, who thinks it's macho? Is it like the, the knight that comes and like sweeps up the damsel or something? Is that what you mean? What is macho? I think macho is, is putting, it's putting yourself out there. It's putting yourself first. It's, there's a look to macho that does not agree with agape. Okay. Agape may be great strength. The greatest things and so many of the heroic things that we've seen are agape in loving other people, in doing what's necessary in a situation, in yeah. rescuing somebody where it's, it's putting yourself in danger sometimes. Yeah. Fallen soldiers. Right. If that's the, if that's the attitude. But if the attitude is to make me puffed up and look so much yeah. better or that I've got this much more manliness going on, love is not macho. Love is kind. And here's the deal. Love isn't nice. Niceness is about you. Kindness is about them. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you don't do that stuff just so people think that you're a nice person. You know, that, that's right. ego. Yes. Yeah. And I look at, you know, we, we don't want to trigger people, but... There's been such a powerful kind of sub-movement, kind of a culture created, and there's a ton on the internet about that. Kindness, I think, is different from niceness. And niceness is about remaining where you are. Kindness is about putting your love in action. Love is patient. Love is kind. Do you want the next one? Yeah, please. It's good. Let's say it's the next three. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. And this is a mouthful. 
Paul, when he's writing this, he's writing this to the Christ followers in Corinth. You can visit Corinth. It's in Greece today. So this is in the first century in Corinth. It was a wild place. There was every form of sexual activity that you would ever see on the internet today happening in real life. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. He's he's writing a mouthful here. Envy, the word is zealous, meaning zealous, for good or for bad. So in this case, being radically consumed with yourself, your, desi- your desires and your, your own plans. You preached a sermon once, and I see this impatience all the time, where you just put it out there that like, look, you can win all the time because if somebody gets something that's good for them, an award, or maybe they bought something nice for themselves, you can feel agape for them, right? And you can just take, um, like, enjoy that, oh, good for you kind of thing. Now, you get that good feeling similar to what you would have if you, if you had it for yourself. And you had people coming up and go, wow, that really helped me, as if they'd never been exposed to that thought. Remember that? I do. I do. I was talking about jealousy and envy. And the best way, if you struggle with why do I have so many problems, why do they seem to have it so easy? If you struggle with envy or you don't struggle with it you just go with it with envy or with jealousy the way to fix it the way to ask god to fix it is for you to start thanking god for the blessings in somebody else's life thank you god that you made this friend of mine so good at golf that he creams me every time thank you god that you made marty so strong he can out bench me every time at the gym. Thank you, God, that you blessed that family with kids who seem to be making really good decisions. And when you do that, it's like you're starting to appreciate the good things in somebody else rather than why, God, did you give that to them and not to me? Not just that, but the, I expanded to appreciate the good things in creation. Do you know? It's not just that person. So do you know the difference between the distinction between envy and uh, jealousy? No. I learned this recently. Jealousy is when we feel like something that we have is at stake. So, you know, somebody's talking to my dad, this other case, my dad's paying attention to to my friend. You start to feel jealousy because you feel like something that you have is under threat. Envy is when you covet something that somebody else has. That's a useful distinction. Say it one more time. Jealousy is when I feel like something is at risk that I own, something of mine, attention or something like that. You know what I mean? Something of mine. And envy is when I want what other people have, when I covet something someone else has. I think that's helpful. It, it, it really kind of nails where the problem is for us. And, and if I can thank God for how he has blessed somebody else, that's one of the healthiest things that I could do. When we get so wrapped up in ourselves is I think when we get in trouble. Right on. So anyways, love does not envy. Love does not boast. It's not proud. In other words, it's not radically consumed with yourself or your desires or your plans or getting your own way. You know, I used to be really proud that I was good at getting my own way because I would manipulate everybody and everything to get what I wanted, even if it was a backdoor approach. So so I didn't get exactly what I wanted, but I really did in the long run. Will you say some, some more about pride? Because pride's sneaky, right? It operates like real you know, stealth-like, right? And um, tell people what pride is in the the spiritual sense. Mm -hmm. Pride is not needing God. Pride is not being vulnerable enough to say, I am incomplete in myself and I need God. I can do it myself. Ooh, that's the best description I've ever heard, I think. 
That's huh. concise. It's not needing God. Me over God. Mm-hmm. Me is a higher thing in this moment. Right. I've got a better way than what seems to be unfolding for my life that God is handing me. So I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to get my needs met my way. That's probably me when I'm yelling at the computer or getting mad at it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and I think that's one of the saddest things is, is we've got this abundant relationship that is nothing but love. God can be nothing but loving toward us, even when we don't get things that we think we want, that, that are spiritual things that, that we think would be good to have, and they don't come our way. I, I think that even in those things, God cannot give us anything but love because his very nature is love. Yeah, let me say a quick thing about that because one thing that helped me was when I realized by making some really bad mistakes and being just devastated by them and then God made something good out of that, I don't even trust my judgment on if something's good or bad because I just don't know. I've been proven wrong so many times. I just don't even judge it. Maybe initially, like I said, but then after that, I'm like, wait a minute. I don't know if this is good or bad or not. Let's wait. That has been one of your best lessons to me. When something really troubling is going on in my life and I've shared with you, you've said, how do you know if it's good or bad? Yeah, but it's because one, a business that I worked for 10 years to keep on life support, raise money, lose it and stuff. I thought that was my entire future and God had a way better plan than that. And I'm glad that thing failed. You know, maybe it should have failed sooner. And then another <laughs> thing was this seven year mess of a relationship I was in when I was younger. You know, I thought, oh, devastated, left me right. for an older guy and whatever. And I, man, I wouldn't have any of this stuff with if that hadn't happened so i just two big things like that and i'm like i'm not gonna judge in the face of it though it feels terrible well i'll feel it though well i'll feel grief sure. right if if, if 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 i lose something or that i want it or something i'll feel it but i won't judge it as good or bad because even That's even my powerful. sister dying that wasn't good as far as i know but i i don't know could have been the most glorious thing that ever happened to her I'm just the one that's feeling grief. So I'll feel the grief about it. But I saw lots of great things happen. Lives transformed because of the death that she took. How old were you when she died? I was 17 and she's 13. Oh. So to see that kind of suffering, things like that, God will turn those things into good too. So even, even those things, I'm not saying I don't feel pain and I don't care. I mean, I do, of course, but I have faith that something good's going to happen and, and, and that God's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And God can take a bad situation that is bad and make good come out of it. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. And that, that's anti-pride. That's anti-me judging God, me yes. thinking I've got a better way. Hey, thanks for listening. This is kind of a long conversation, but it's a real important topic. So we decided to split it up into two parts. So come back next week and let's talk more about agape. You can build the heart of a lion with a strong mind and spirit because a lion's natural state is one of safety through courage, strength, and power. Hi, I'm the shepherd and pastor, Dr. Matt Hook. And I'm the shrink, Dr. Marty Fletcher. This is the show where theology meets psychology. Or mental health meets spirituality. Welcome to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast.